All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. You're listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, folks, welcome back in. This is the Northern Hunter Podcast. I'm James Payne, your host. I'm here with my co-host, Dalton Gray. How are you? Fantastic. And Mo. Howdy. <laughs> Hello. All right, so uh, thanks for everybody coming back and listening in. It's, uh, the last two episodes have been pretty awesome. We've uh, got our introductory going on and then a, a really cool interview with Clint Adams there. If you haven't heard the that episode and this is your first time listening in i would definitely recommend going back and uh listening to that one there so uh going forward with uh these future episodes coming up we're going to be a little bit more of a structured setup so uh keep an eye out for that we're going to be going over some really cool topics just the three of us for a little Mm -hmm. while here until Mm -hmm. we get some more guests going on so uh yeah we'll just dive right in wanted to bring up to the table so one interesting thing i found out um was listening in to a meeting last month and they are going to be reopening the muskox hunt up in unit 26 really yeah for uh okay for next year starting off there's uh it's gonna be the first time in 17 years anyone's been able to hunt muskox up there so yeah they're opening and so um, unit 26 is where again? that's up on the slope okay yep so they're going up there. So the north side of the Brooks Range. North side of the Brooks Range. I believe the for the draw, it actually states the eastern side of the hall, of the highway. Okay. Um, verify that. But I believe um, that's right. That sounds right to me. Yeah. So okay. that's starting off. They're gonna be there's gonna be four tags coming out for uh, tier two subsistence. There's going to be uh, four tags uh, for registration. Mm-hmm. Those will be available in person. Um, I don't know if they've determined which town that's going to be in they probably have but anyone listening that's interested in a registration hunt for uh-huh. muskox just call fishing game they'll they'll have all that information Excellent. um and then there's also four draw tags that's uh dx112 in your draw books this year four so. draw permits wow yep four whole draw permits. And so that also applies the the archery only restrictions also apply to the hall road if you're corridor. yep if you're within the corridor it does and a lot of guys were saying that's where a lot of these guys hang out is oh, in the yeah. corridor. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, and now I, I was, another thing they were talking about there is they're expecting a 90 something success rate. That's why there's such a low number of tags. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Because historically speaking back in the day, that's yeah. about the rate that they yeah, got. Muskox are not that hard to hunt and kill. No. <laughs> they're not exactly the, the cream of the crop for escapes. Yeah. Um, interesting. But, but yeah. So th- this is all of unit 26 that's open for this hunt. Not all of unit 26. Well, let me, we can double check right here. Yeah, let's do that. Um, 
We have our right uh, we have here. our draw regulations for 2023 <laughs> right in front of us. So unit 26B east of the Dalton Highway. Okay. So 26B, it's open for. I want to say because um, unit 26 falls on both sides, mm-hmm. and I want to say the herd has not recovered enough west of the highway to open up a hunt for it. So okay. Um, now. The interesting thing was listening to them talk about how they were kind of determining this because there's not an intensive management plan going listening on with to these them things. Talk about it. You're talking about a fish and game meeting that you were in on. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And um and and how that this they were kind of managing the recovery of this herd. Uh huh. And the biggest predator of these were actually brown bears. So they said they had to heavily manage the brown bears in this area, and there were only specific ones i mean there wasn't it wasn't brown bears in general but that they were there were these bears that had gotten in the habit of waking up and they would just follow these muskox herds (laughs) and i thought that was the most interesting thing they basically they had to watch the herd narrow it down kind of protect it almost like Mm. almost like sheep you know yeah and uh but they've they've done a great job i mean they've been doing a really great job up there with the management system and uh they actually have harvestable surplus so wow. anybody that's interested in that i mean definitely look into that um wow like i said there's the draw tag you can put in for or if you really want to go on a on a flight to stand in a line um call fish and game figure out where you gotta go and there's gonna be four registration tags okay so that's uh that's one interesting bit of yeah of information i've got very cool very cool yeah that's exciting i i've i've been up there quite a bit and uh <laughs> And uh, hunted caribou, and you know, been in that part of the state quite a lot. And uh, that is a that is a fun opportunity. And uh, yeah, that's that's going to be exciting for a lot of guys to get up there and sounds and, cool. Uh, and mean, get the opportunity. You I'd know, I'd like to shoot yeah. muskox one day. I I know, yeah. So that funny enough, this fall when I was guiding up in the Brooks Range, um, I I was uh, moose hunting and mm-hmm. we called in a muskox. Really? In an area that really shouldn't have had muskox. I'm, I'm not going to give any details on mm-hmm. the area, but uh, there are no other muskox anywhere near there. <laughs> and uh, we were all just as surprised as I think he was to see us. And yep. the thing walked into about five yards. It was insane. Wow. I've, I've never been that close to a wild animal before and mm. not shot it. Um, <laughs> It was uh it was pretty pretty funny and it uh it came through. We went back to camp after taking pictures of it, you know, everybody's <laughs> taking a selfie with the muskox <laughs> and carrying on and and um um it came up and it was raking some bushes and carrying on. No noise though hmm. at all. Um wow. no grunts, no rumblings, no nothing. And then just walked down the sandbar and just disappeared off into the trees and we said, Well, that's never gonna happen again. Hey. We went back to camp. A group of caribou swam across the river. The client dumped a caribou, shot it. We went over to it. I was over grabbing logs on the sandbar to make a meat rack out of it. Mm-hmm. And the muskox comes walking back down the <laughs> sandbar after we'd already shot this caribou. <laughs> and uh, so I walked up to it even closer and got some really cool photos. And yeah. At that point, it kind of grunted at me. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right, loud and clear, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm too close. <laughs> yeah. But uh, man, I got some awesome pictures of it. And that, that was that's a really, awesome. really cool experience. But yeah, I I, I've, I've always thought that'd be an awesome hunt. So that's. That's great that well, they're doing that. That's awesome that the population is there. Yeah, so it, it's been it's really great that they're bringing it back. That's a big win for uh, for the industry for sure. Absolutely, and, and especially for the people up there. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. that kind of rely. Yeah, and so you know, congrats to 
to the guys at, at, at ADF and G that, uh, mm-hmm. that have worked on this for so long, I'm sure, and that are yeah. finally happy to be able to have the population at this point to have a harvestable surplus. Yep. They're, they're doing good work up there. Yeah. So, and then, uh, speaking of, um, the draws though, yeah, there is one kind of the other <laughs> end of the spectrum the here. other end here. So yeah. the, uh, area 13, I don't know how many of you listeners 13, have actually yeah. looked at your, uh, yep. your draw tag book books for this year though. Um, the Area 13 draw has actually been removed from the 2022-2023. And that is RC, or no, I'm sorry, DC-485. DC-485, right? yep. So um, I spoke with a gal down in um, Glen Allen earlier in the summer uh, just talking about some of the, some other research I was looking at doing. Uh-huh. And she had kind of brought up and mentioned that uh, you know they were looking at basically based on the numbers that they were receiving from their counts, that uh-huh. it was probably going to disappear. I didn't expect it to disappear this quick, though. Wow. And I don't think she did either at the time. So, mm-hmm. um, But so th- th- it's just the... Tell me the reasons why. So happened. essentially, over-harvest we, and, yeah. and... Because DC-485 has been one of the top caribou permits to get in the state for so the last quite a while. Historically, they would hand out 2,000 permits right. for this hunt. Right. Um, and this is typically accessed by the Denali Highway. Correct, yeah. The Denali Highway. You can get there from the Glen um, in certain areas. Yep. but yep. Down by um, Eureka. Yep. yep. Um, so they've... It's, I have it's not that. just It's a lot harder to get in there. Yeah. And, and it's so. not just um, over-harvest of, of us, but it's yep. also everything's been having really hard winters, man. You know, mm. it's, it's kind of the same thing that's been going on with the sheep. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily uh, an issue with overhunting. Um, I will say it's probably got something to do with uh, the lack of hunting of predators. Yeah. Um, there's been kind of, you know, I think a lot more people need to get out and start chasing grizzlies and start chasing wolves. And correct and like me that. if I'm wrong, but I think Unit 13 is the largest game management unit in the state. I believe you're correct on I that. Think I'd have that's to verify. But, um, but Unit 13 it's huge. <laughs> is monstrous. Yeah. It is a huge game management unit. Yep. Um, and there is, uh, there is a very high population of grizzly bears. Mm-hmm. And in some areas, wolves um, in Unit 13. Um, like, it's bad enough that... Grizzly is open year-round. Grizzly, yeah. Yeah, it, there is no closed yes, season for Grizzly. Yes. Unit 13 is the only game management unit in the entire state mm-hmm. um, that Grizzly bears are open for harvest year-round. Yes. Um, that's the case for black bears in a lot of units because mm-hmm. of the uh, the surplus of black bears that we have. Yep. But for a Grizzly bear hunt to go 365 days a year, that is, that's... That is a clear message from the yes. Department of Fish and Game that we have a a, a sizable surplus here. And it's been that way for a long time. Yep. Grizzlies have been open in that unit for a long time. And, and anybody that hunts that part of the state off the of Denali Highway or, um, you know, South Alaska Range or Northern Talkeetnas knows just how many bears there are. In exactly. That unit. There are a ton of bears down there. Yep. Tons of grizzlies. Yeah. And so, I mean, between that and, you know, I mean, there was a factor that 2,000 caribou a year. Yeah. In in conjunction with that, because I know last year, or no, not last year, but um, the year that I got drawn for that tag, uh, they closed it mm. for uh, early emergency order because of that. And I think it has something to do with the, the herd moving around sporadically um, and wintering in, in some weird places. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if, 
predator hunting is, is not just a fun activity, people. It's yeah, you know, right. it's it's yeah. a necessity. So yeah. I mean the more of you that go out there and, and kind Honestly, of start managing of, these bears and stuff, I mean it's a lot of times predator hunting's not even a fun activity. It can be a lot <laughs> yeah, of work. It can yeah. be for a little return. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and so but yeah, so unfortunately that has been taken off the table for now. Well, hunt is um, pretty much gone now. There's talk of in the last meeting, they were talking about, you know, uh, whether to, to push it to a tier two or to mm-hmm. just kind of roll it back a little bit in Explain the numbers. Explain to me what that means. So there's two systems of subsistence hunting in Alaska. Um, there's actually technically there's three, yeah. but um, there's pr- primarily tier one and tier two. So tier right. two is based on a scoring system on residency and need, essentially. So they'll look right. at how long you've lived in the area, how long you've hunted in the area, how long you have um, relied on the game from that area mm. in order to hunt, and then uh, how many dependents are in your home. I mean, there's a whole list of, of and things. And Fish and Game decides this. Fish and Game decides this. It, it's essentially a draw. Um, you basically, you submit it, they review it. You submit um, your qualifications and yep. see if you meet the criteria. And so, and in a lot of places, you know, I would say there's enough tags to go around that people can fairly reliably mm you know count on it yeah. know, for their communities you know and i mean because tier two primarily does <laughs> apply to small communities you're not mm-hmm. going to be in fairbanks applying for a, yeah. a tier yeah. two you're hunt. looking at like delta glen allen yeah toncina yeah um yeah toncina t- even has a, re- a year-round population i don't know i'm not sure um, um but you know village style communities yep yeah, yeah. and so then Tope, you have i believe is 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 uh applicable as well i do believe so yeah um, and so then, you know, as you kind of get down tier one, you know, the, the regulations kind of loosen up for you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you can, and then you got community hunts, mm-hmm. you know, and things. So, uh, so tier two would basically cut it off to everybody, but the immediate residents of the area that okay. Milchina herd subsides yeah. in. So we're um, talking about Eureka, Glen Allen, and yep. Cantwell. Yep. Basically. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and it's, it, I'm glad that they would be considering taking that up yeah. you know or keeping it for them yeah. uh it would suck to lose that as a resource though for a lot of other people yeah. that like to go i mean yeah. that area is a gorgeous place to hunt and it's a really great thing yeah that's a that's but, a great part of the state but hopefully you know listeners will take this to heart and uh yeah you know go out there and go bear hunting um absolutely the denali highway is a great access point i've spent a lot of time out there yeah um you know even on just summer fishing trips and whatnot there's a lot of opportunity out there mm-hmm. i'm uh, i'm good friends with a lodge owner out there at Alpine Creek, um, there uh, there's some great folks. So you have a great place to stay, um, and you know you don't have to camp out if you don't want to. If you're taking your family or something like that, they have mm-hmm. great accommodations and food and a little uh, little sports bar down there. Um, you know that's that's a great place to be. Yeah, um, and uh, you know the the road spans from Cantwell to Paxson. Yep, it's 132 it's, miles, <clears> and it of awesomeness of the central <laughs> of the beautiful. central. On, on the central Alaska range, mm-hmm. it borders, it, it's it's just on the south end of the Alaska range. So you're driving with the with the Alaska range in view the entire time, mm-hmm. just about. It's beautiful. Gorgeous. You were done place. it like right after they plow. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like I've driven something there from the tall. Paxson side yeah. and seen them plowing still and had to turn around. Yeah. And the walls of snow on each side from the winter. But because the road is not maintained in the wintertime. Yep. So they plow it out first thing, I think, in uh, April at some point. They usually yeah. get all the way down. 
Um, but I mean, they've got monstrous snowblowers <laughs> on these big cat <laughs> equipment trucks. The tires on those things are twice it's as tall insane. as me, and I'm yeah. six and a half feet yeah. tall. Yeah, it's like it's like gold mining equipment. <laughs> it's, it's huge. huge. Yeah, but they've got a crew that just lives out there in work trailers and just plows that road for yep. weeks and weeks and weeks till they break through the other side. Yep. Um, but yeah, that's that's a great place to go. Um, you know, but, so if if somebody's looking, you know, the, the Denali Highway gets a lot of pressure in the fall. It does. Um, I wouldn't ever go there, you know, moose hunting necessarily, unless no. you have a, a a great area that you go way off. Um, and there are guys that do that. And don't get me wrong. There's 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 moose to be had out there. But it's a pretty popular spot. It seems like half of Anchorage and Wasilla go there. It, it's kind of the meeting ground between the two big yeah, hubs, yeah. you know. It, and it's, it's like it's pretty well so, halfway between Anchorage and Fairbanks. Yeah. Um. So that there is a lot of pressure out there in the fall, um, for yep. ungulate hunts, but mm-hmm. it's very overlooked as far as a bear hunting area. Um. And there's places down there. I mean, you can see four grizz in a day. Oh yeah. It's not yeah. Hundred percent. I mean, 100%. or more. Yeah. You know, and so. Yeah. Yeah, um, and and there is the clear water controlled use area. If you're mm-hmm. not into riding or you know uh, motorized access, you can do a hike in hunt in there. I've done that. Yeah, um, that's a very pretty area. If you don't want to see anybody else and yeah. ride around, and you can just go for a walk and backpack in there. So yeah. yeah anyway, so. go go bear hunting in Unit 13, people. <laughs> go get them. Uh, you know, and all the troopers will tell you the exact same thing. Yep, just exactly. Drop them. So exactly, go shoot them up. All right. So. Our, our next item on the list, I guess uh, I saw a, cup, a couple of weeks ago now, there was an article, um, and this pertains to what we're going to get to later on in the show, um, but Southeast Alaska, mm-hmm. um, this particular incident took place outside of Sitka, Southeast of, of Sitka at a lake, Lake Diana. Um, there was a goat hunter, um, him and his partner um, from Fairbanks, actually, a 47-year-old man, um, didn't return back to camp one night. and. Uh, um, it says in the article that uh, his friend called wildlife troopers at about 8 a.m. Um, with a report of a missing hunter after he didn't come back to camp the previous night. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Coast Guard deployed a, deployed a helicopter and um, found his body later on that day. Yeah, He'd rough. fallen 300 feet wow. off of a cliff. 300 wow. yeah. feet. And so these guys were, you know, mountain goat hunting. And if, if you look at Lake Diane on a map, it is completely surrounded by cliffs yeah that is a very very steep place um so you know our condolences to obviously the family members that uh that suffered from that right um but it goes as a reminder for everybody goat hunting is by far and away the most dangerous hunt in the entire state oh yeah without question yeah um you know i i I guide brown bear hunts i've guided sheep hunts and it's nowhere close to goats yeah um goat hunts it is just well, just the ter- terrain yep. you know, extremely you're dealing steep with. and it's always wet um yeah it, i mean yeah sheep hunting is generally speaking you're you're more rolling terrain you, mm-hmm. you're going to cover probably three times or more miles on a sheep hunt than you will goat hunting right but you're going to cover some nasty extremely steep terrain goat hunting just to get the short distance that you need to get to the goats exactly a lot of times even on like a road system goat hunt if you draw one down in the Kenai. Um, you can drive and see the goats from the road, but it'll take you seven or eight hours to mm-hmm. climb from the road 1,500 feet up just to yeah. get to where these goats are. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess uh, <sighs> I just goes as, a, as a reminder, you know, just watch your, uh, watch your steps and, watch you know, your footing. Watch uh, your, a lot yeah. of people, you know, love to walk up to the edge and look over mm-hmm. and, uh, that always you that always freaks me out. You yeah, know? <laughs> I, I can't stand it. I can't do that either. You know, on a sheep uh, hunt, if a client walks over to the edge of a cliff, I'm always, t- hey, get back. 
Don't mm-hmm. don't do that. Don't stand on that boulder. Yeah. Well, oh, this boulder's been here for two hundred years. Yeah. Well, today doesn't mean could it, be its day to yep. fall. Doesn't mean it won't. And I yeah. don't want to be on it when it goes. And right. I don't. You know, I don't want to come down there and pick you out of a rock pile piece and, by piece. And you know, like areas like that don't get that steep. No. By accident. You no. know, there is constant yeah. erosion and yes. landslides yes. and, and, and rock. And the moisture content in the soil down there yep. in, in that part of the state yeah. down in southeast. It's always wet. It's yeah, always it saturated. There ready. are landslides every year yeah. down there in places like Valdez and Cordova mm-hmm. and Sitka and Juneau mm-hmm. and Haines, um, St. Petersburg. You know, that part of the state just gets nonstop rain. Yeah. Um, feet of rain yeah, in, I was, in, in, uh, in a matter of a month. Um, it's insane. It, it's it's like a tropical we, we um, had a rainforest. I, I know I was working in Cordova for a while there, yeah. and yeah, I was looking at the the stats on yeah. just like comparison of how much rain Fairbanks gets yeah. compared to like there, yeah. and it is yeah a huge difference. I mean, yeah. multiple multiple times the amount of snow yeah. we get here. I yeah. had a, a neighbor growing up, an old, old real old guy. He he's he's passed now, but he told me about uh, he he lived in um, Adak, I believe it was, mm-hmm. for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um. I may may not be completely correct on that, but it was one of those in that area over there where near where we had some bases during mm-hmm. World War II that actually yeah. saw some action. Yeah. Yep. And um he said that uh one year there was a, a big old sled slide off a hillside mm-hmm. near the city. It didn't cover up any homes or anything, but it exposed a ton of um guns and ordnance from World War Two that had been buried. Oh no kidding. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's just you guys were talking about mud yeah. slides and stuff down there. That's what yeah. came to mind. Yeah. yeah. There's all these gun barrels like, you know, sticking out of the hillside <laughs> oh, after a, the mudslide. Which the is guns just, of Navarone type uh, thing. That's a redneck's favorite dream right there. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they weren't I don't know what kind of condition they were Three in. Three six crates right. of ammo. <laughs> yeah. I mean it just what they found was like Yeah. I mean, it, that's well. That's it, it, not long ago, I think even a year or two, it was. Um, I, I go down to that part of the state um, deer hunting every year, as we will be here in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they had a real bad landslide just outside of town there. Yeah. And um, I, if I'm not mistaken, a couple houses got taken out, and it's not that uncommon for it. Um, that's that's very you know compared to other parts of the state you know people talk about avalanche dangers well generally speaking the interior no no cloud no houses are that close to right. a lot of avalanche areas you know maybe some maybe a down, re- recreational cabin or something yeah but, yeah, yeah but for the most part people don't build at the bottom of an avalanche no. but mom, down there those towns are in these little bays where right. nowhere right. else to there's build. really not that much land to go anywhere else. So in, mm-hmm. inadvertently, some of these houses and neighborhoods get put on these hillsides. Yeah. And even down there, an established, you know, fully treed mountainside can just cut loose just yeah. like oh, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, 300 feet of soil and 80-foot Sitka spruce trees mm-hmm. are coming down all at once. It's worse than an avalanche. Oh, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, houses get taken out, people inside of them. I mean, that, that's yeah. I've seen pictures. You're not going to crawl out of that. No, my mom They're, grew up in that part of the state. Yeah, that's for right. part of it. And yeah. uh, she talked about like houses just yeah basically falling off of cliffs at times. They're starting to move. Yeah. 
Yep. And people Getting just have pushed to right into the ocean. Yeah. yeah. In some places, that, and, and they'll take out roads, and they'll, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, just literally push them off into the ocean. I always cringe when but. I see these people, like, they build their vacation houses, or even sometimes they're real houses, right, like, right on the edge. I well, mean, and, you've got, you know, well, it's it, like it, those houses that's, right off of Rosie Creek on the Tanana. Yeah. Outside Fairbanks. <laughs> like, those, oh, and like, they flood yeah. every year. You, yeah. you, you know that. Well, that and, like, you know, cut pinks move, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I know. And, you know, well, there's a huge difference, though, between know. some of those places are built on rock. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a huge difference. Some of this yeah. stuff is done well, especially today. A lot of the houses that are moving are older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it's been there for a couple hundred years, you don't expect it to move. Yeah. But well, the point <laughs> being is, you know, if you're if you're goat hunting, don't walk up to the edge. Mm-hmm. Be careful. No. You yep. know, bring yep. an ice axe. Exactly. Always yep. bring an ice axe. Go Always. Hunting. Always use crampons. Um, yeah, because like unfortunately, that. this isn't the first yeah. event like people, this, and yeah. it's more people probably not going to be the last. To be honest with yeah. you, but I, we'd, if we'd I like... had to guess, more people die goat hunting than any it, other. It's kind of any it's, other I hunt yeah. in Alaska. Goat in in its own way is like the uh, the hippo of Af- of of Alaska. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the hippo is the most dangerous that. animal in Africa. Yeah, that's well, not what you I expect. Say goats are the most dangerous animal but no, it, no, no. but it's the most, definitely a dangerous, it's the most dangerous hunt, hunt. Yeah. definitely an underrated yeah. hunt as far as difficulty of the terrain yeah. and mm-hmm. and we can talk about this some other time but like how tough goats are yeah you know, they can soak I, up some i think it's a great lead. comparison maybe you guys don't but. <laughs> 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 i think the mouth stand by is, your guns most <laughs> yeah stick to it um anyway i'll write an article on the website one day about yeah there you go goats the and alaskan hippos, hippos. <laughs> goats and hippos the, hippo it's of alaska. the alaskan hippo yeah, <laughs> yeah. um kind of the next thing on my list here i wanted to talk about um an exciting development kind of on the flip side here um so um the uh the president at this time has uh earlier in the year went uh released uh an economic boost bill mm. which you know i think i heard can, it i think i heard of that once or twice we probably won't uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to get off into the weeds about nope. politics <laughs> at all but regardless um throughout this process the forest service in alaska received 14.4 million dollars of the one trillion dollar infrastructure bill um and uh is supposed to go towards improving existing cabins in the Tongass and Chugach National Forests and hmm. building new ones. Um, so that um, the, Anchorage, pub- public use. the Anchorage Daily News had yeah. published an article about it earlier on in this uh, this fall and um, um, kind of uh, um, asking residents mm-hmm. to submit locations where they would want to see a, a new public use cabin by forestry uh, get built. Um, so, That's you know, awesome. for those not aware, in Alaska, in some parts of the state, in the Chugach and the Tongass, um, the Chugach National Forest extends from north of Anchorage all the way down to the coast in some areas, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, east a little bit of Anchorage. Um, but kind of that southern area, you know, pretty much centralized right around Anchorage area. Yeah. Um, and uh, that the Chugach Mountain Range and whatnot, and the Chugach National Park, which has been a has been a park since I believe 1980 when Carter was it um, when Carter declared that a national forest and shut mm. down hunting in there. Um, yeah. Also, kind of a side note, one of the hardest areas to draw a sheep tag in the entire state is yeah is uh, the Chugach National Forest. Um, one of the most highly sought after. Yes, and there's a reason for it. And, and you know, not every part of Unit 14 down there in the Chugach is a good unit to draw a sheep tag, but there are a few mm-hmm. um, that we can talk about some other time that are phenomenal world-class sheep hunting in there gorgeous area too. Um, and if anybody out there is familiar with the rampages <laughs> books by lou bradley i've got the set um, my wife bought it for my, for my birthday last year 
Um, I've read it. I actually got to meet Lou last year. Um, oh, nice. Great guy. But he lived in Eagle River in the in the 70s as a school teacher and got to hunt sheep in the Chugach before it became a park mm-hmm. for, I think, six years before that. And he killed some cranker sheep in there. <laughs> Just awesome, awesome stories of that. So if anybody's looking for a, for a sheep hunting book, kind of on the side tangent there, look at Lou Bradley's Rampages. But anyway... Um, so there are these public use cabins that you can find on the forestry's website in Alaska, yep. in the Chugach, and then in Tongass National Forest, which is the southeast part of the state, kind of around Juneau and Sitka area. Um, and you can rent these cabins, usually anywhere from 45 to 80, bu- uh, 80 bucks a night. Mm-hmm. Um, Good price. Which is phenomenal. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're all, they're all equipped DNR's with website. some kind of a heater, um, whether it's an oil drip stove or a wood stove with yep. the, you know, um, the, the, they, they have a, they have a stash on site that, uh, you know, yeah. have a little woodshed mm-hmm. if there's a wood stove there. Um, but a lot of them now are, are going to those oil drip stoves where you just bring out some, uh, some heating fuel and, um, they can heat it that way. Um, but those cabins are a great access point for a fishing trip yep. or a yep. hunting yep. trip if you're in that area. And they're know. all over the state, really. They're, they're <laughs> all over yeah. the place. I, I've used several. The Chugach and the Tongass are monstrous areas we're yeah, talking about these are hundreds and hundreds of square miles of access and um they're they're pretty prevalent down in southeast mm-hmm. um there are quite a few mm-hmm. based right around juno and sitka that's a pretty popular area for them um but great fishing access great hunting access yep. in some of the places you know for black deer hunting brown bear hunting black bear hunting down yeah. there um, even mountain goats, if you're going to, you know, base out of a cabin and just go see to summit all the way up after goats, you can do that as well. Yep. Um, but so that being said, if there's listeners out there in Alaska, if you weren't aware of this and you want to see a cabin built somewhere in one of those places, reach out to the Alaska forestry department and, uh, submit your request for your area. I yeah. think that'd be pretty neat for some folks to, to, uh, to get a cabin built where they've been going that's, and tent camping for years. That, that's a pretty awesome a use for that money. I mean, yeah. it's, it's nice to see it going towards, yeah. Yeah. you know, it, it's nice to something's going to actually something, help outdoorsmen. Right. goes directly back to the community. So, yeah. Anyway, so that's that's pretty exciting news. That's, yeah, that's, that's that, pretty that's sweet. That's a great development. I'm excited for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, <clears throat> I uh, was sitting here and they're talking about locations, and I'm like, I was getting on my maps on my computer here, think, looking at it as they're talking about it. And something popped up. I use I use both Onyx and Go Hunt, and mm-hmm. uh, I w- went to my Onyx because that's what I use primarily on my laptop. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get on Onyx, and I had like the premium membership for Alaska, and I get a little pop up, and it says um, get forty percent off first light when you sign up for Elite, mm-hmm. up to forty percent off. Yeah, kind of caught my attention. I'm planning right. on a first light coat that's <laughs> not cheap here soon. So I yeah. uh, so I signed up. It's like fifteen bucks a month, you know, from whatever I was paying, which isn't, you know, not a huge difference. Yeah. A lot of these services are super affordable. They are. And Go Hunt has a lot of stuff too. Um but I haven't looked at them, but just I don't kind of a that 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 discount itself is like three, four days. By the time this releases it'll be gone. Mm-hmm. But I am gonna be able to get one jacket, a coat I was looking at for I'm gonna save probably 150 bucks on it wow wow um like 30 percent off anyhow just uh throwing that out there there those are services that i mean honestly even i didn't realize like i have go hunt i had onyx premium but i went and looked at some of these other benefits on here and if Mm -hmm. you're interested in discounts with um some of these brands i mean it looks like onyx has schnays they've got first light that they're you'll get discounts just for having a membership but stuff like that'll Mm -hmm. pop up Mm -hmm. and it's like a early black friday thing or whatever which of course 
Black Friday deals happen all time of year now. That's no longer a sacred just, thing. I, I saw that and thought I'd bring that up. Yeah, no, that's yeah. yeah. Some of that gear, man. When you're trying to get into this, it can get right. spending. And, and we're gonna talk some more yeah. about gear yeah, today, I think. But uh, but yeah, all right. Well, um, so I guess we get on to our main topic here. Yeah. Which is, so we are getting ready to head down, and we're gonna be going to Southeast Alaska for a blacktail deer hunt. So yeah, uh, something I've been exciting. looking forward to doing for a long time now. Uh, we mm-hmm. we've been yeah probably talking about this hunt as long as we were talking about getting this podcast going. I'm excited so, yeah. to go do this um, hunt again and I maybe actually have some success and see an animal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mariah was with yeah. me on the, uh, on the first trip that I ever went down to Southeast um, mm-hmm. with a friend of ours in 2016. Um, yeah. And I've gone every year since then in the <laughs> fall. I pretty much was addicted after the first trip. Yeah. I, yeah. I just had stuff come up. I wasn't able to keep going and I kind of wish I had been, but you know. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, hey, life, life is life. Things man. happen. Yep. I, I really, really prioritize going down there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been telling you there were years that I probably shouldn't have gone. <laughs> yeah. Spent, spent too much to go on that trip. But you know, right now I, I don't remember what was going on at that time, and I sure remember hey, the hunts. Yep. So and that's, that's exactly what it's all about. That's more it's, important in the long run. Yep. So, Choosing the anyway, experience. Yeah, exactly. So I've gotten to go down there for quite a few years in a row now um, and uh, deer hunt that's and awesome. bear hunt. Um, killed a couple of brown bears down there. And, um, yeah, it's it's been a ton of fun. I've got some really good friends down there in, in the town that we uh, fly into. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's gone fishing a little bit um but mostly just blacktail deer hunting yeah um and the, so there, there are two kinds of blacktail deer for the listeners um there are columbia blacktails that uh live in the pacific northwest uh like in oregon and i think they have some in southern canada right there around vancouver as well i i think in british columbia um but uh in alaska we have a variant called the sitka blacktail deer mm-hmm. um and uh there is a town in southeast sitka obviously um but there are blacktail deer Sitka blacktail deer all the way up um, into the Prince William Sound area, um, yep. and then up around Valdez and that part of the state as well. Yep. Um, and there is actually talk of them introducing a Sitka blacktail deer population to the mainland of Alaska. I had heard about around that around the Palmer area. Yeah, I'd heard um, about that. I'm not sure. We we should check into that. Um, we for should a look future, into that. Yeah. Future yeah. topic in the, in the beginning. Um, if you're, about, if you're listening to this and have any information on that, yeah, yeah, feel free ahead. to send us an yeah, email. Write us or, an email yeah. and uh, and tell us what you know about that. I know. Governor Dunleavy was talking about making that a pretty big priority. Yeah. Um, as he's an outdoorsman himself. Um, yep. So anyway, um, this this uh, this this Sitka blacktail deer hunt is a pretty unique trip in that uh, the time of year that it takes place. Um, yeah. Right now, you know, this is November. Um, most of our fall hunting seasons are pretty well wrapped up. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the state is pretty well done we got for a, the year. A little bit of winter as, caribou, but other than yeah, that. Yeah, as far as big game hunts go, yeah. for the most part, it's pretty much done. All yep. the main seasons yep. are over. Um, moose hunting season is over by the end of September in, in yep. all parts of the state. Um, caribou hunts, there were a few winter caribou hunts going on. There's a few winter moose There's hunts a, too, but they're yeah. pretty yeah, pretty rare it's, it's and pretty really hard areas between. to get right. to. Yeah, right. I mean, yep. Exactly. There is some caribou, caribou yeah. bow yeah. hunts that but last most of the year. Caribou, yeah, bow, caribou, <laughs> caribou. Um, but the majority of the uh, of the of the popular seasons are closed, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, this is a great opportunity to go down to a different part of the state Absolutely. where it's a much warmer climate. 
Um, Southeast Alaska <laughs> in general, this time of year, you have highs in the mid forties and lows mm, below that below nice. freezing. Um, and you think it sounds super warm until you get there and you get rained on at 35 <laughs> degrees yep, and you yep. freeze. Yeah. <laughs> Rain at 35 degrees is pretty cold. Um, well, and, and you know, we were, we were, it's not snow on the ground usually that yeah. much anyway. Um, and it's not 15 below zero like it is in Fairbanks this time of year. And we were talking about this. I don't think it was on a, on a recording, but just through a conversation and just how amazing the difference in in hunting opportunities that yeah. there are here in Alaska. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. if you count everything from, yep. you know, like we talked about at the beginning here, muskox on the slope and, yeah. and caribou, you know, yeah. up there in the yeah. range. And then you go down through the interior and down uh-huh. all the way into the Southeast. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's so many different landscapes yep. and, and yep. opportunities. And, yep. you know, that's, that's one reason, you know, people ask, you know, well, when are you hunting? Always. The better question is, when am I not hunting? Yeah, like yeah. there's yeah. always something yep. to chase if you're if you're yep. ambitious enough. Yeah, and I mean, that's where yep. last week Dalton and I talked about um, growing up, teenagers always being yeah. gone. And that's because mm-hmm. we had the time. We were always, every evening, every weekend, mm-hmm. we were hitting the woods. We were looking yep. for, if we weren't baiting, we were looking for a spot to bait. Yep. We weren't moose hunting, we were looking for a spot to moose hunt. Yep, yep. Inevitably, you know, we didn't actually do a lot of real hunting. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Well, but all of that is part of hunting. Yeah, I mean, it really is. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a lot of yeah. buildup. You don't just randomly go into the woods and shoot the biggest buck. Right. You yeah. know, but as I've no, learned, you can spend happen. a month so, hunting a bad location every night, or you can spend a week and spend a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Pay for and, better and access. Have, and have yeah. better access. And it's put the same amount of money and effort into it yeah. for a shorter mm-hmm. amount of time. And Right. I, I think, honestly, the, the hunting the bad spots, though, is kind of like a baby step into that because you've got to learn well, and what you, to look and for. I don't know if you should you even know. call them bad spots. Yeah, I, know, I, I just called the them exact that, same thing. Right, I, yeah. I, I don't know that bad there, spots is an accurate There term, is no bad but, spot in Alaska. But, but, I, but I see what you're saying. Downtown the Anchorage, harder maybe. to hunt locations. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. I've seen some pretty big bull moose come out of downtown Anchorage. Yeah. The back of I mean, hey, I, I, yeah. I, uh, I did shoot my moose with a bow and in the city limits of Fairbanks, which is legal. Hey. Yep, there you go. No hate. <laughs> <laughs> no secrets given away there, no Mo. Um, nope. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, time of year opportunities that we have up here. I mean, you could you could effectively fill up your entire um, spring and fall mm-hmm. pretty easily. You can bear bait all spring. You could go yep. to the coast and shoot bears on the coast. Yep. Um, then in the fall, you can hunt um, blacktail deer, mountain goat, and doll sheep. Um, all open in August. Yep. Um, and in a lot of areas on August 1st for goat and deer. And then doll sheep opens pretty much across the state on mm-hmm. August 10th. Yep. Um, Same with which caribou. Which is magic day um, yep. for me. I shot my first doll sheep on August 10th a couple of years ago. Um, opening day ram on a solo hunt. But anyway, yep. <laughs> um, that's a topic for a different time. Um, but those opportunities extend all the way through August. And yep. then in September, moose season opens. Yep. Caribou is open in August as well. August 10th. In, yep. in a lot of, in a lot of areas. Yep. Um, and then, uh, when moose closes, um, in some parts of the state, moose opens all the way, uh, through September 25th. Um, and in a couple areas out of the 27th. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure about the outlying village areas. It might even go part farther than that. I know um, if you're in the management area and you're bow hunting, yes, it does go yes, through that's right, the, right. the 30th. Right. So, All the way through yep. September in yep. the Fairbanks management area for yep. bow hunting only. Um, Which and then uh, there are some special locations. permits. <laughs> yeah, some, it's very small. <laughs> yeah, there are some special permits for muzzleloader and archery only yeah. permits yep. that that you yeah. can get that go even longer. Than well, that. and there's the management area bow hunt around right. Thanksgiving. Right. 
which yep. is seven. That day opens hunt. for mm. a week it right does. before Thanksgiving for archery only in the management area. I should try that this year. Um, yeah, I'm thinking about that, it. That'd if, be if, well if worth it. Yeah. If it's well, warm you enough, know where my yeah. house is at now, which is yeah. the I can walk out my backyard. Yeah, still be in the management area, but a yeah. good location. Exactly. So. Yeah. Um, but generally, you know, after moose season wraps up, you can head to the peninsula mm-hmm. um, for brown bears or to Kodiak um, and do a goat hunt or a deer hunt. But for the most part, most of the hunting ends um, in November and December up here. And mm-hmm. November and December largely is late season goats and blacktail deer. Yep. Um, that, those are pretty popular hunts um, up here. And uh, you can hunt deer on Kodiak Island mm-hmm. or in Prince William Sound yep. um, or uh, down by uh, Juneau or St. Petersburg or Haines or mm-hmm. uh, any one of those places. Um, and uh, you can charter a flight. Um, into an area with a charter uh, plane, whether it's on floats or wheels, whatever, um, as long as your uh, access area isn't um, frozen. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of those right. alpine lakes, those pilots won't land at past no. the end of October and even but, some before then. And especially in the in the, kind of the in-between right. when there's, you know, right. it could right. be ice. It could a be A lot of Kodiak right. by the end of October, it's it's starting to freeze up. Yeah. They're, they're starting to get get concerned about that yeah the last thing you want to do is get dropped off at a lake and then have it freeze over and they mm-hmm. can't land there and you have to hike all your stuff miles and miles and yep. miles down to a beach where they can land and it's yeah and it's not um yeah. easy miles no no, no. it we're, never we're is. talking about alder choked you know nasty <laughs> nasty uh and devil's you, club and salmon berry and, you never mm-hmm. dealt with alders yeah you're you're, you're really out. missing out. Yeah. A, special, <laughs> a special part of how to become angry. Yeah. We'll just put it that way. Just say you, you don't know like how angry you could possibly become mm-hmm. until you it go through a devil's It should be 100 degrees, patch. and you should be yeah. in the jungle wearing shorts with a machete in your hand, but you're not. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're getting rained on. Yeah. It's about 40 degrees. You've got the only thing on that back. could make it worse is a 1,000-pound carnivore that you could bump into with cubs. Oh, wait. Oh nope, yeah, that, you can have that's that. That's there too. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. forgot oh, about yeah. that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And by the way, Actually, they can move through it fine. We you have brown bears, <laughs> and yeah, they can slither through it like a snake through yep. the grass, and it's incredible to watch them just blow through that brush. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I've bumped bears into, in general. I don't know. I've bumped into do. bears in that kind of stuff before, and it is not a pleasant experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> somebody <laughs> walks away mad, and somebody walks away scared. And uh-huh. you hope that you're the <laughs> that you're the upset one, and the bear is the scared one. <laughs> um anyway though but yeah a lot Put of those hunts on. for uh for deer and goats that time of year are uh are boat hunts mm. actually and that's what uh we're going to be doing yeah um i access my area via boat yeah and motor um, boat and motor <laughs> a couple of times i've had engine problems and had to row back uh, to my camp area and um um, yeah, so, that's that's been so, an experience. So in and boat and preferably motor. Is yeah. What yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we uh, we access the area via boat, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, we will be in the area for. Let's see. Let's see. Well, well you'll be there, there a lot longer than we. Well, will. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, I I, I, I should we'll, clarify that. I'll be down there um, for three weeks, just about eleven days. You and Mimo. I think. Is that right? Some, we're, we've got quite a bit of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's ten or eleven days. I think we're so. at the campsite for over a week, which mm, is yeah. ideal. Yeah, um, you want seven or eight. I days. think the first time we were down there, we were only down there for like 
five or six I, days, right? I think five. Well, that's I think the hard four part. full days, and then our extraction day was our fifth <laughs> oh, day. Oh, and that was <laughs> that, oh, was, that was, was horrible. That was a terrible, terrible that, extraction. <laughs> oh, that's a from story. that camp. Um, that that twenty minute podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're not gonna go over that. But hey, um, man, could you put another question, log on when, the fire? Question on when, the when boats. we start doing a story time segment. That's right. Question on the the boats. Yes. Um, trans, uh, you know, transport and everything. Yeah. I've heard about hunts where you basically buy some birth space for for a week or two. Um, and birth then, space, clarify, please, uh, like for a, our listeners, <laughs> as in on on a larger boat, okay. uh, like a fishing boat or something yeah. like that. Basically, where they're fishing, they're doing their thing. Where you're basing your hunt, off you're basing of a, your hunt off of a larger right. vessel, and they've <laughs> got small boats that you can use, and then you can base camp off of there and then do yes. some fishing yes. drop some crab pots etc yeah but also jump in a yeah. boat and go hit the shore for a couple of weeks or, or i mean a few days or you can see or you see a bear or you see your deer yeah. and you jump so is that so, a, is so that a the, good option yes um those those are uh, those are transport hunts um a, a good example would be um nanil chick charters mm-hmm. is okay. a company that specializes in that also um rogue charters Okay. Um, if folks have heard of a, of an outfit that does guided hunts called Rogue Expeditions, that's run by a guy out of the valley, um, uh, Jeremy Rusink, and um, he also owns a charter company, Rogue Charters, and he has, like you said, a, a, um, a larger boat. Mm-hmm. I think he has one that's about forty something feet. That sounds about right. Okay. Um, it's that, a big boat. Um, that is out of Kodiak. Rogue Charters is, and uh, companies, uh, guys um, that have that have filmed hunts like that would be um, the Mountain Project. They've done mm. a bunch of uh, of films with Rogue Charters. Um, Remy Warren has hunted with Jeremy Rusing several times and done yeah. that uh, Rogue Charters deal. And how that works is they're just a transporter license. So you book your trip with Rogue Charters, and let's say, and and the nice part about that is you can do a multi, you can do a multi-person kind of a party hunt. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty popular with non-residents. Yeah. Um, you know, th- those those hunts for a transport are only going to be anywhere from five to 8,000 bucks. Um, and I know that sounds like a lot of money to us because we're residents and we're not used to paying that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But for a non-resident, that their option is a transport hunt right, between right. five to 8,000 bucks right. or a fully guided hunt that's $25,000 uh-huh. or yes. more. That yep. is a huge difference in the entry-level capability of a non-resident to come to Alaska and do mm-hmm. a hunting right. trip. Right. Um, so how that works is a transporter is not allowed to point out game to a client. Okay, So if they're driving the boat into a bay and they drive past a deer on the beach, they can't point it out to you. Um, so it's your job to that's guide guiding. yourself. Yeah. That's guiding. Is that to, like a wink, wink kind of situation? Or? No. no. <laughs> They're very, very strict about yeah. that. Um, yeah. And they can send undercover agents to go see if you're doing that too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, very strict rules about that, about the guiding thing. Um, so um, they will, you know, you have a, you have a, your, your little cabin on the boat to sleep in, you know, your little right. bunk area. Indoor facilities, I, you don't have I to use an outhouse. Your birth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, hot shower. Right. Um, and usually Food those and- charter services cook all your meals. They have mm-hmm. onboard chefs and uh, boat maintenance and a whole crew yeah. there. And then they have boat drivers. That usually they have uh, either an inflatable on board or a couple of them or some Lunds, mm-hmm. like a 16-foot Alumacraft type uh, Alumacraft, aluminum Lund. Um that uh, they'll lower over the side and then they'll transport you to shore mm-hmm. from the bigger boat in the morning and then 
come back to shore in the evening and pick you up and bring you back out to the boat for the night. Okay. Um, so you've got a nice warm space to dry out all your stuff and mm-hmm. have a nice, you know, hot meal every night and not have to eat which mountain house. Down there can be which a is rarity. a huge, <laughs> yeah. huge advantage over tent camping. Um, so anyway, those hunts are pretty popular and uh, definitely a great way to go. Um, they uh, that seems like a great way for people who aren't that familiar with the area yeah, to yeah, get exactly, into it and exactly. kind of just get it because access. Even, I, they, even for me, that sounds like a super. They, they can't guide you. Honestly, that yeah. just sounds fun. Yeah, like I'd heard about that. <laughs> right, right. And this seemed like a good opportunity. <laughs> to they ask. can't guide you, but they put you in great areas. That yeah, had good success in the past. So they're, yep. so they're starting you off in a good area. You know. A good, um, just a little bit of a boost for a good DIY hunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. And guys, uh, I, you know, if 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 listeners want to go uh, want to go watch a hunt that that showcases that, um, the the Mountain Project um, mm-hmm. and uh, Hunt and Fool has done those okay. in, um, for spring black bear. Actually, they did that with the Nilchik oh, Charters. Cool. Um, that's a great series. Um, I believe Born and Raised did a series on it as well, and I think Hush has done one of those as well. Hush, I think. Uh, I, I'm not sure about them, but I, but I for sure know the, know the other three. Um, the Mountain Project just released another one like two weeks ago. That's awesome. Um, so from last year that they did for a blacktail deer hunt. Um, so obviously, um, for those that aren't familiar with the game laws in Alaska, you cannot shoot mountain goat or brown bear without a guide in Alaska. Yes. Um, there or are next four, of kin. Right, right. Yes. W- without a guide or an immediate relative. Yep. Um, Who that's is accompanying a... on the hunt. Who is a resident? Yes, right. Cor- yes, correct. <laughs> you can't bring your cousin from Tennessee. <laughs> but, right, right, right. So, um, uh, if if a non-resident books one of these transport hunts, they are only allowed to shoot black-tailed deer, um, or so black bear, depending on the area, or, or a black bear yes, if you come yeah. in the spring, or, or you know if right. you do a fall hunt up yep. in uh, Prince William Sound or something like that. Yeah. Um, so well, that's a great way to do it. Um, Parker Guide Service works out of Sitka, um, and they do uh, they do some uh, boat based guided hunts. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Glacier Guides um, works out of the same region in Southeast. They have some uh, some videos out there. Um, I think they're mostly guided as well, but they're all boat based hunts. Okay, um, those guys are doing a pretty good job of kind of that next level. Where if you want a fully guided experience that you want to be able to shoot goats and brown bears, mm-hmm. um, you can go down there with one of those outfits and, and do a hunt there with them. Um, yeah. So, anyway, that's that's a great way to access. That's right, not how right. we hunt um, down where I go. We don't have that big of a boat. Um, mm-hmm. This is just uh, I have some connections down in this town and uh, some good friends that I've known for a long time, and um, we we have a deal worked out and I, I use some of their equipment and, uh, you know, we, we take, uh, we take a boat out from the town and, uh, motor quite a ways out actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're you know, a good the... ways from town to kind of avoid if possible. We don't want to be in an area that's like a 10 minute boat ride from town. Right. right. Um, yep. This area is, is a good ways more than that. And so it, it helps, we still get weekend hunters out there. You know, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll see some boats from town kind of motor through some of the channels, but, for the most part, they're not getting out of the boat and walking inland at all. Right. Um, and that's that's an advantage for us because we're out there camping for over a week yep. mm-hmm. um, at this spot. Yep. And uh, so we can really hunt from daylight to daylight, which yes. that time of year is going to be 745 to 4. Oh, wow. It's pretty short. That's pretty short. Um, so usually we're up at 6 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. cook your breakfast, get everything mm-hmm. ready, load your pack, be at the boat just before light mm-hmm. cross the channel or you know run over to where we're going to go mm-hmm. and um um you know motor into our area and by the time we're boots on the 
boots on the beach to start hunting, it's just light enough to start hunting. Yep. And then we're scraping it at the end of the day. <laughs> you in an ideal world, you're back at the beachhead by three thirty. Yeah. To be able to motor back to camp before it gets dark. Um, but I'm really familiar with that area. I'm you know, I've I've motored a lot of water yeah, in the dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um the worst experience that my buddy Remington and I, and we'll have him on at some point to talk <laughs> about this, our motor died in the evening on the he way back to this, camp. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we were nowhere close to camp. And there wasn't nobody coming to get us at yep. night. It was dark. We'd both shot deer that day. So the boat was heavy. Yeah. And this particular year, we didn't have a very big boat. We had a little inflatable with like a six-horse kicker. Um <laughs> And uh, I think in it the was, ocean, I think it was a little bit less than ten foot of an inflatable. So it was like being out in the ocean with a bathtub, and we've got with deer hair, antlers and, yeah. with deer antlers sticking out of our packs and our rifles, and there's yeah. barely enough room for two guys to sit front to back in this boat. And uh, the motor died, and I, I we couldn't get it to start. And it turns out it it was a simple issue that we fixed back at camp once mm-hmm. we had more lights and. You know, a, a little bit of tools. We got it. You're not sitting in the middle of the ocean, and we're not out a half mile from shore, and the waves are rocking us, oh, and we're I've we're been leaning in over. <laughs> we're literally leaning over the motor in the dark with flashlights yeah. and cell phones. Like, don't drop my phone in the salt water. Oh, I'm gonna drown man. you. <laughs> you know, and we're both looking at this motor and pulling on stuff, and you know, we filled it up, and we're like, is there water in the gas? And we're like mm-hmm. blowing on the gas. In, um, into the gas tank yep. trying to force any air out of the gas lines and it i mean we tried everything we probably tried for 45 minutes to get the stupid <laughs> thing started wow and the worst part was you'd pull it and it would it would just start and then it would just die yeah it, oh, oh, oh it's oh, gives you those good five or six die. revolutions and then yeah it'd turn yeah. over once or twice and then kick out yeah so we ended up having to row all the way back to camp and it was it was several several <laughs> miles of rowing and i like handed it to remington he was working up a sweat and i'm standing in the back of the boat to be out of his way so that he can actually have enough room <laughs> to motion the oar so i'm i'm standing up leaning up against the outboard kind of sitting on the outboard as it's tilted up out of the water taking all drag. the mist yeah and he's just He's just rowing away. <laughs> and I offered to spell him for a bit. I, I think I rowed for like 10 minutes of the entire thing. But he was like, mm. nope, I'm, I'm here. I don't want to move around because we had to like crawl around each other to reposition. And uh, we, we, just, we just couldn't make it work. So yep. anyway, he ended up rowing us all the way back to camp. But um, yeah. this year, it'll be a different story. We'll have a, had a... we'll have a 16-foot Lund and a 40-horse outboard on a center console drive. So. I uh, I worked us out for we'll a better a much, boat this year. Yeah. So the, and, and two oars, so two, two of us can oar. <laughs> well, I don't we know at least about be under that, two two manpower. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, so, so that's that, a good. That, that's that's kind of the logistics of how we access our yeah. area. And you know, you have the option if you go to an area where you can hunt the island that you're on that you're camping mm-hmm. on. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And that's the case where we're at. I've yep. shot some phenomenal deer well, on that some of the, right uh, on that island right out of your tent yeah. not without not having to go on a boat at all yep. um you get to your camp and you can just hunt that island the entire time right. and yep. in all honesty if the snow isn't too bad we're going to spend some days right on that island where, where we're going to be camping right um and uh other days you know having a bigger boat is going to allow us to kind of access more of the surrounding area that i've hunted before um it's a great area. There's a lot of different muskegs and river systems to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a unique part of 
part yeah. of the country. In yeah, general. and it's a, it's a completely different style of hunt than hunting in the interior. Um, yeah. It's a lot of um, it's a lot of still hunting. Still, yeah, still that's what hunting. Just meaning say. you go, you know, fifty feet sometimes, and you stop. And yep. those fifty feet that you travel takes you five minutes to go. You're being yeah. ultra quiet. Just every stalking. step is calculated. It's it's yeah. just one big long stalk all yep. day long yep. through the woods. Um, as long as you're not beach hunting, obviously. Um, but you just sneak your way through the woods, and you're calling. You're using a fawn distress mm-hmm. call. Um, that kind of brings in a doe, and you hope a buck is in tow of the doe. Yeah. Um, I've called in bucks by themselves before because they think a doe is going to come in, so they come in looking for a doe, possibly. Right. Um, and uh, anyway, so well, I, I've called in a lot of deer like that, yeah. um, even later on in the year. Um, I should mention, we're going in, uh, you guys will be down there in December. December, uh, I'll yep. be down there um, just right. after Thanksgiving. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll be down there for a week with my wife and my, uh, my, my good friend Remington. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's hunted down there with me a bunch. So we'll be down there for about a week ahead of you guys. And then um, I'll come back to town and uh, drop them off. They'll fly back out. Remington has to go back to work and my wife will come home. And, um, and then you guys will fly in the next day and we'll turn on a head, head right back out to camp. And, uh, so I'll, I'll be, I, I can't wait. I'll be out there for, for <laughs> two and a half weeks total. Yeah. You're going to have a fun, you're gonna have fun camp. Yeah. You know, and, and I can tell you, I mean, like, like, that's great information with the, the boat charter because, yeah. you know, as someone who is a Alaska right. implant, you know, I didn't grow up here. I don't yeah. have, I didn't yeah. even grow up necessarily yeah. with a family that was into this yeah. kind of life. Yeah. Um, but you know, so as somebody trying to jump into that life, it can be daunting yeah, when you're looking it, at a travel hunt, getting out there, yeah. finding a camping mm-hmm. spot, finding where to even go. I mean, like we said, I mean, Alaska is a huge area, and even just southeast, yeah, is right. a huge yeah, right. area. You southeast know, so Alaska like, is monstrous. Yeah, really, you could start at at some place like Yakutat, mm-hmm. and then all the way from Yakutat down the Panhandle, if you will. Um, yep. that goes. I mean, Juneau and Sitka and Saint Petersburg and Haines. Mm-hmm. Those are all closer to Vancouver than they are closer to Fairbanks. Yep. I mean, you're you're halfway down to Vancouver by that point. Basically. So, yeah. um, yep. I I know some people that live in that part of the state that fly to Seattle to go shopping <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. it's it's cheaper to fly to Seattle than it's it is to fly to Anchorage, to Anchorage yeah. and go shopping. Yep. Yep. So anyway, well, it's like it's like it's like, a completely like, different part of the state. Yeah. And like you said, it's a good entry price. Yes. Level. Yes. Yes. Even yep. if you were paying to do a transport hunt, yep. you're still in for less than you are mm-hmm. you know, most everything now, else. The cheapest way to do it as a non-resident would be to fly into yes. one of the local cities and hunt off out of that city. Yep. You know, just got to hike yeah. into the hills or mountains yep. around. Yep. Yep. And, and there, you, you yeah. will deal and with a lot totally more local doable. pressure. But you're going to have a yeah. lot more hunting pressure, yep. Yep. but you can be successful. Yeah, Absolutely. Yep. And 100%. But if you're going to do that, take another week. Yeah, add, add a week yeah. to your hunt if you can. Give yourself and camp yeah. out and of the city. A lot Don't of camp it, in town and drive out there every day. A lot of it. Get out there, stay out there. It's just getting out there and doing it. Yeah, man. exactly. Yeah. You know, it's just time in the field, and that, that, yep. that's that's kind of what I was going to cover next is how long should a hunt like this be? Mm-hmm. Um, I know Mariah and I mentioned earlier in the podcast that um, our first hunt down to that part of the state in 2016 was five mm-hmm. days. We had <laughs> we had four nights yeah. out at this camp, and. Four of the most memorable nights, memorable nights of our lives. That was, yeah. <laughs> it was a long four nights it was, at the time. It was. <laughs> um, I didn't, just <laughs> due to a lot of the conditions. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, a- anyway, we won't get off on that. <laughs> but uh, story time. Know, it, it was a good hunt. Yeah. It was a good learning experience. We we wouldn't trade that in at all. Um, but um, that was not enough time to learn an area. Yeah. And 
I uh, sent the, the following year after that in 2017, I went down there and approached it at the complete opposite. Mm. I hunted in the field 10 days. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of four full days, I had 10 days. And the difference in the hunt quality was night and day. Um, now, also, time of year plays yes. a big part you in this as well. You were later in the year then, weren't you? Um, when, I, when we first went down there, it was the middle of October. Um, and uh, ever since then, I've been going in November and early December. If, if you find our hunting spot, go in October, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. October is when you want to be there. Um, so uh, anyway, we uh, every other time I've been down there since then has been November and December. Um, and the later you go, obviously you can miss the rut later. But I have found that um, that with with um, with uh, with being post rut, they still respond to the call. They still come in, and uh, you can still you can still call in deer after the rut, but it's hard to call in deer pre-rut. I've found um, I've had um, varying success in November if I miss the rut ahead of time, but if I go right in the middle of the rut, I've had good luck. But if I go after the rut, they still respond to the calls. Yeah. And so that's that's an advantage of going after the rut, as you know. My little experience and, before the rut, yeah, is pretty terrible. There is <laughs> the biggest deer up. I saw was Dalton. Yeah, going through <laughs> a field. Yeah. Oh man, I found this awesome spot. Climbed up in a tree, found a branch to sit on. I was bow hunting. It was yeah. perfect. There was a deer path running right by me. Two ways crossed each mm, other. Yeah. Like, this is beautiful. It wasn't too far from where we were camping, and. You know how it is deer hunting. You sit there, you listen, you look, you call, you listen, you look, you call, you know. Yeah. And that's what I was doing. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I heard some sticks breaking and something moving. And, man, I was excited. I turned around really <laughs> slow, like, man, where's this thing at? You know, and he's decked out in camo, as you should be. <laughs> and so it took me a moment to see him because he was moving slow, like yeah. you should be. Yeah. But he walked 20 yards from me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I hear somebody, hates. Hey. And I looked up, I'm like, what in the world? And he does, I, he, I look up in this tree. <laughs> there's there's Mariah with he was, bow, Yeah, He like, looked right under me for quite a while. Yeah. And, like, it was yeah. funny because I had to like, really make God? some noise to get his attention. <laughs> yeah. like, I had no idea he was there. And I'm not looking in the trees. And right. He's, like, he's 10 feet no, up a tree. There's no like, deer up there. He's supposed to be in a tree. We're in Alaska, not, not Arkansas. <laughs> Yeah, but, but uh, it was per- it was a perfect spot. It, it was a good spot. If but. it was later in the year. But and, regardless, yeah. mm. to say you know, yeah. all that to say, um, we hunted in October and didn't see squat for deer. There's a reason they um, call them ghosts. They, I mean. uh, they 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 live in the Alpine in August and they move down to the lower areas nearer to the ocean mm-hmm. as it gets later in the year, mm-hmm. and then they rut down in the trees because the snow pushes them out of the Alpine. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, usually the, the the blacktail rut will take place um, in the second week and third week in November. So right now and next week is going to be peak rut. Right. When I get there right after Thanksgiving, it's probably going to be right at the tail end of the rut. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping I catch a little bit of it, um, but it's probably going to be winding down if not totally done. Now, how would you compare a, a ruddy buck of the blacktail so, variety compared to like Personally, I haven't had any bad ones. Mm-hmm. Um, my record year that I went down there in 2019, I brought I brought my uncle and I brought my dad and one of my brothers down there, and we shot. Let me think. Um, you shot a lot of deer. 
I think we shot 10 or 11. One doe. In what amount of time? <laughs> um, six days. Yeah, it was dead. And we killed all of the I deer so hope we get to... <laughs> over three days. <laughs> oh, um, man. We went several days without killing deer. But mm-hmm. right off the bat, my uncle and I went out and shot six in one day. Wow. <laughs> and called every single one of them in just about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was bucks and does and bucks traveling together looking for does. I mean, it was just one after the other. And that was day one of the hunt. <laughs> So we get in there and we're, we're walking this river that I, that I love hunting down there. And, uh, it's, I, I call him this buck and he just comes screaming down the hill through mm-hmm. the poplar trees. And I, I stopped him with the typical, Meh. you know, I, I stop everything like that. <laughs> yep, yep, <laughs> yeah. It's just fun. You can't um, stop just about anything. So I, that way. I, I stopped him and I blasted him and we hung him up, gutted him and hung him up by his antlers and just let him, let him cool. I thought, yep. man, well, if it's this good at eight o'clock in the morning, then. We need to keep hunting and not yep, just spend yep. too much time right here taking this thing apart and making too much noise. So we gutted it, hung it up, and kept going up the river. Mm-hmm. And uh, a half mile later, my uncle shot a buck. And then as we're walking up to that one, another one stands up that was walking with it that was 50 <laughs> yards away. I shot it. We gutted them both, hung them up, kept going, shot another <laughs> couple up the valley more, and then shot one more. So we packed out <laughs> some serious deer meat that night. And by the time, we were, awesome. by the time dream, we were man. done shooting deer, we said, now we're in trouble yeah. because we have six deer to cut up and like two hours of daylight <laughs> left. So we're like screaming through these deer, just ripping them apart, throwing them in our packs. And as we get closer to the boat, our packs are getting heavier and heavier. <laughs> by the time we get back out of the boat, we're just waddling up to the, up to the boat. Like, oh my goodness, there's three deer in here. And, uh, but it's doable because these deer are at, I mean, a monster blacktail buck is 120 pounds. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. that is right. an absolute tank of yes. deer. Okay, Usually... These are they pretty are, small deer. They're the smallest variety of deer other than maybe roe, right? Uh, Sika deer are pretty small. Uh, pretty so they're the smallest variety of North American. North American, yeah. Right? Sika deer in North America. I, 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 I don't know if you're talking about like country of origin. No. But, like but the, there are Sika deer I'm in I'm talking like... And on the no, Coast. that's what he's saying. It's like in North American hunting. Okay. The Sika yeah. deer would be the smallest variety Sitka. of the deer. Yes. Deer. Yeah. Yes. Sika deer. I'm talking about Sika deer. Yeah, but those are the little dark coated ones that live in Michigan in the swamps. Oh. But those are those are brought <laughs> Whoever named those is pretty like pretty sure those I do remember. Are I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. yeah pretty, those are like, they those have are, them in England too. They yeah. yeah, and those are probably introduced in England too because they're really they're a lot more like in swamps I and stuff, right? They they're swampy, from yeah. Asia somewhere, aren't they? Yeah. Asiatic the, deer? We that, can find out. We may be wrong, yeah. totally wrong about yeah. this, people. Could Let us off. know if we are. <laughs> We're going to look um, it up and tell you. Um, anyway, though. Well, you've so, got sambar. That yes. are, those are definitely Asian. Yes, yes. So of the deer family that we think of as a deer in, yep. a la- in, in America, we have whitetails, coos deer, which are like desert whitetail, yep. um, mule deer, yep. and then Sitka blacktail deer, okay? And then Colombian blacktail. Of all those deer, the coos deer is going to be the smallest, but the Sitka blacktail is right down there with it's it. Not insane. quite as small in some cases, but generally and close to the same And a lot of that just depends size. on your genetics and location yes. you're hunting. genetics and time of year. The yep. later in the year you get, the bigger they have to get. They bulk up. They, they get fatter. They put on some weight for the winter. Because I, I will uh, say, growing up in Kansas, my, my, 
you know, when I, when I think of a deer, I mean, we, we, we have pretty good size yeah. whitetails yeah. in Kansas. So. Average whitetail buck will be like, what, 120, 150? Yep. And then a big one is 200 pounds, yep. right? They can push over so two. black-tailed yeah. deer range from 80 to 90 pounds with a monster being 120. So yeah, that that right. gives folks an idea. Now, mm-hmm. being considerably an old, smaller than an, an Alaska kid, just a, you know, a little bit of a tangent here, growing up in Alaska, seeing moose my entire life. Yeah. These things are tiny. <laughs> you yeah. see a deer for the first time. Now, I saw them pretty young. I was hunting whitetails with my dad in Ohio at a pretty decently young age where I saw some deer, probably at least, you know, 11, 12. Got some yeah. good ones up there, too. And uh, they got some decent deer in Ohio. Yeah. But, yeah, like, yeah. the first time I saw some on the side of the road, I had no idea what to think because I recognized them for what they were, mm. but it was like... They're little babies. They're <laughs> tiny. Yeah. You know? Pathetic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know. That's smaller a, than a quarter of a moose. <laughs> right. A small moose. This is like a caribou cut in half. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah right. Like yeah. a small... A hind quarter on a bull moose is fifty pounds. Oh, more than that. I'd say more than that. Right, a but small I mean, hind quarter is seventy. Deep, no, yeah. sixty to seventy. If you pounds. shoot a spike bull, sixty to seventy might, depending yeah. on genetics. Yeah, and probably yeah. sixty to seventy. I would say. If you're shooting a spike or a fork, yeah, that that's where I'm going yeah. from. But we're yeah. talking young, youngest legal bull moose. Yeah, is a spike or a fork mm-hmm. in most areas. Yeah, and. And weight wise, that animal is. Oh, and a black tail deer hind quarter is going to be about twenty five pounds. Yeah, a drumstick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the best way to think of a moose for somebody who's never been around them at all, even though this isn't on topic, is a horse. Yeah. 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 A monstrous. Sometimes even bigger, like a Clyde, like a Clydesdale. Yeah. Yeah. Like like a full size horse, like a origin in China. Really, China, Korea, Japan. Yep, and then they were imported. Yes. So right. yeah, well, when it comes to small deer species, Tell there's some wife. little tiny stuff. I was yeah. right for once. <laughs> <laughs> On recording. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, we kind of covered how long it takes to kind of learn an area. So we'll be down there. You guys will be down there for about um, eight or nine days to hunt. So I think that'll mm-hmm. be a great, uh, a great length of hunt. You guys can, um, you guys can kind of learn the area. I'll, I'll show you some spots and introduce you to some of my yep. areas, and we'll. Uh, We'll uh, we'll just go from there and I'm cut you guys loose. So that should so, be exciting. What kind of uh, just kind of along the lines there? What uh, what kind of weather are we expecting this wet. time of year? Wet, wet. So at, even, at, even in December, at the beginning even, of the podcast, you know, yeah. we, we kind of covered that uh, that goat hunt incident that, mm-hmm. uh, that we talked about on how wet the soil. Even is. in December, I would say especially in December. Yeah, I really? would. I would yeah. say uh, the so that part of the state. Um, it's for those of the. For those that don't know, it's it is considered a rainforest. Um, yeah. It's cold for a rainforest, but the, the trees that we're mm-hmm. used to up here, like for interior Alaska, for those that don't live here, a a tall spruce tree is what thirty forty feet, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you can get taller there, ones than that, but you can definitely get some fifty, yeah, sixty, especially. 70s. But it, on average. Yeah, on, on average. average. On average around your, especially places you live. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Fairbanks, you know. And the, they're skinny. The middle Tanana Valley. Right. We're, we're not We're not talking about massive, large canopies of treed areas, yeah. okay? Right. Um, That part of the state down there, the yeah. average Sitka spruce tree is, is the predominant um, mm-hmm. evergreen down there. That tree is on average, I believe, 80 feet. Yeah. That is a monstrous, right. monstrous tree. A lot of these trees, you couldn't put 
if you had two guys standing on either side of the tree, they couldn't reach their hands right. around each yeah. other's hands. If you see it's a tree monstrous. like that, I remember seeing a tree like that with my dad out bear baiting one time, and I yeah. can take you to it. I know exactly where it's at. It's probably like 200 years old or more. Mm. But that is the one of a kind. Like you're going to see that tree once in your lifetime of hunting in interior yeah. Alaska. Yeah. yeah, almost never. Yeah, almost never. Well, and I know me and my wife were and it down. sticks out like a radar tower. In yeah. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were down camping I, in Palmer area, shore, but, and. Yeah. One of the things that blew me away about that area was that I almost didn't recognize cottonwood trees. Yeah. You know, because I yeah. went up and on the same thing, I wrapped my arms around it and I wasn't even halfway around it. And yeah. the, the rid yeah. ridges were yeah. just crazy. And yeah. like, there's no way this is the same cottonwood we have up in yeah. Fairbanks. <laughs> yeah. like, but so anyway, those trees get that big down there because of the amount of precipitation that they get. Mm -hmm. um, that part of the state gets um, a lot of rain. Amount of precipitation, and amount of... they. They get warmer months than yes. Here. They get yeah. above freezing temperatures all the way into December. Wow. Um, they haven't froze up down there yet. Um, my friends that that uh, that live down there in that part of the state, um, he sent me pictures of them deer hunting actually just this week, and uh, it's still raining. It's mm -hmm. still green. There's still green grass everywhere in town. Yeah. Uh, it's not anywhere close to being frozen up yet. Yeah. Last year when I went down there in the first week of December. Um, it was by far the most wintry that it's ever been when mm -hmm. I've been down there in eight years of hunting down there. Yeah, I remember seeing those pictures, um, and it was definitely... On the beaches, there was thigh-deep snow on me, and I'm 6'2". Yeah. Um, it was miserable. And my <laughs> wife is 5'5". Five, five. <laughs> and my other buddy, Remington, is 5'10", I believe. I look forward to taking my wife down there at um, some point. And, uh, they had a, they had a very, <laughs> very hard she's, time. She's like... Five one and three quarters yeah. or something like that. Yeah. She lets you, you got to count the three quarters, quarters all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, that that condition last year mm -hmm. um, was a lot colder, a lot more snow than we've ever seen before. Yeah. Usually that time of year, we're not going to be getting a lot of snow. There will be a little bit of a skiff of snow mm -hmm. um, that'll push them out onto the beaches in the evenings. It'll make hunting somewhat easier. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Um, sometimes they don't do that. Um, last year they did, and we killed a pile of them on the beaches. Yeah. Um, we only shot, I think, three in, you know, inside the shoreline, um, hunting during the day. Most of them were evening on the beach, and we were cruising around, and we just hop out of the boat and make right. a stalk and shoot one. So you're um, living in your rain gear, basically. Yeah. The whole pretty time. much. Yeah. yeah, yeah pretty good. much. Yeah. Even if it's snowing, it's that wet, heavy snow, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, you're spending a lot of time in rain gear, which kind of leads me to my next point. Right gear right yeah yep. i was gonna say this is a great segue yeah um, speaking this, of that yeah. rain gear even <laughs> like that's <laughs> what i just yeah that's what i just ordered on on first light actually with that discount oh that you I did found was my raincoat that I was you ordered get. the omen i ordered the omen nice storm shelter so for is, those of you that don't know um uh we said this in the first podcast but james and i and we're working on mariah becoming an absolute addicted gearhead. Um, <laughs> yeah. I well, own yeah. more he's, gear. He's almost oh there. <laughs> I own more well, gear than I could wear. See, when in you're a, a guy, in, in a hunt you can a write off shot. your hunting gear. Yeah. And it also is um, like what he, it's like me buying tools when he buys gear. Yeah. So it's not, it doesn't, yeah. it, it, it's you not You work comparable. in the construction world and your mm. gear have, is DeWalt. I probably, I, in Milwaukee. My gear is Sitka and Kuyu right. and Stone <laughs> right. Glacier. I probably have an equivalent amount of money in tools that he has in gear. You know, like what he spends in, gear, in in a year on gear just to try it out. 
there's a good chance I've spent close to that in tools. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or yeah. at least did when it's, I was when I was a contractor. But, but, but it is a tool for me. I, correct. You know, people, correct. Yeah. People spend money. Let's just use the illustration. If you're in the construction world, you probably wear Carhartt. Mm-hmm. I do. I, I work a day oh, job yeah. when I'm at home, yeah. and I wear Carhartts to work. Oh, yeah. Carhartts and uh, Wranglers and so on and so forth. Brands of the industry, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's what you wear day in, day out at your job. Yeah, if yep. I don't wear Carhartt to work, when my job, I wear through a pair of jeans in two weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when my job is to live in a tent for 120 days a year, my my clothes of the trade are made by these hunting companies, mm-hmm. and you know, I and I I'm not sponsored by anybody at this point, so I, I'm I'm a free independent user, and so I I try Intent. out different brands. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I've I've worn a lot of Stone Glacier stuff. I've worn Kuyu for a couple of years now. Yeah. Um, some of the things I like, some of the things I don't. Um, it's a great Sitka, resource for me. Sitka that... makes some great stuff. Um, yeah. Barney Sports Chalet in Anchorage um, makes Love I think guys. probably one of the greatest packs in the entire industry as yeah. far as Alaska guys and are they're concerned. Local. Um, yeah, and they have a store in Anchorage. They've been yep. there since the '60s. Um, and you know, and that's one thing to say about guys like us, you know, and it's, and hopefully, you know, our listeners can reach this point if they're not already there. Um, but you know, like when my wife and I were doing our budget the other day, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're, we're a young couple and, and we include Mm -hmm. a segment in the budget for hunting gear, apparel, Mm -hmm. you know, weaponry, because it's not a hobby you know no. we're, we're not those guys that are sitting here it's a lifestyle talking yeah, all right. year long about we the two weeks of deer season we yeah. get to go hunt and then we yeah. go sit in a stand and i feel bad we are, for the guys that live for two weeks of moose season right. in Fairbanks. yes yeah. I, I feel bad for those guys we so, are in this we live, all year right. and we yeah. go places where if you don't have some of this right. gear it can be legitimately dangerous oh yeah yeah 100 so 100 percent and, and i have i have an article that i that i that, that'll be up on the website at some point on the northernhunter.com um that um, which wet is better you know and talking about rain gear and rubbers versus um versus breathable membrane rain gear right and that is a huge topic in alaska yeah because everybody talks about well breathable rain gear doesn't stand up well i beg to differ i've done some high quality stuff time in breathable rain gear in just as much rain as anybody else has ever seen and i haven't gotten wet Yep. That's where you got to spend the dough. In some brands, yes, I've gotten wet. Yes. And there are some lines from some companies that I will not wear in some parts of the state. So anyway, so breathable versus rubber rain gear, um, you know, that, that's a topic that's very highly disputed in mm-hmm. Alaska. Um, a lot of guys say that breathables are always going to wet through. You know, there are some yep. prominent people in the Alaska industry that preach against breathable mm-hmm. rain gear. And they've had such and such brand or such and such line and model Fail and by fail I mean yes. wet through. They got wet in their rain gear. Well, and I, and I've read what you what you wrote preemptively for that yeah. article. And, yeah. and one people, it's going to be awesome. So keep an eye on the website for that. But two, you, you do a really good job of explaining that, and not only yeah. the kinds, but also where you know yeah. whether so you're up in the mountains if I, or down if in I'm the rainforest. If I'm in the Brooks Range, yes. sheep hunting, yes. I'm taking a different line of oh, rain absolutely. gear, probably from either Stone Glacier, like their M5 set. Mm-hmm. I've used that sheep hunting. That's what I shot my Ram in 2021 wearing mm-hmm. the M5 set. And it did fine. I, yeah. I, I didn't get wet. It was, it was just fine. Yeah. Um, but it's light and it's packable and it's waterproof. If, if I'm in Southeast Alaska, like on this deer hunt, yep. <laughs> totally different set of rain gear. Number Well, see, this is where we're going to differ a little bit. Yep. Um, I have Sims pants waders that I, that I wear, you know, so mm. I, my, that's my, those are my rain pants, you know, yeah. I'm not wearing rain pants for, for first thing. Um, but, um, I'm wearing a breathable jacket. Um, mm. I have been wearing breathables in Southeast. Um, I've tried the M5, didn't get wet. 
Um, okay. It's not as durable as I would like necessarily for a hunt in that part of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, I used the M5 in, I believe it was 2020. Um, right after they came out with it, I think that was the first year that they had come out with the M5 set at Stone Glacier. Um, it is a lightweight, breathable membrane rain gear. Like I said, it's very packable. It's nice to carry around. Mm-hmm. Um, it fits well. It's true to size, but they're, it, it's, it's cut long in the hem, so it keeps your waist from getting wet. It's cut long in the elbow so that you have elbow articulation. So a lot of the design features about it I really liked. Mm-hmm. But I was busting a lot of brush with it. I was and just going to ask about that. I did get a couple of holes that I ripped in it. I've yeah. actually replaced the jacket since then. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I bought a new one this year um, for sheep hunting type stuff because that one was starting to get worn out after a couple what of What about years. just pushing water through it? I didn't. Like, you didn't? Okay. I, I did not. And, yeah. I, I, and I wore the rain pants that year as well, mm-hmm. um, and I did not push water through. And okay. that's something that usually is the first thing to go, is pushing water through yep. the rain pants mm-hmm. if you're going through a lot of vegetation. Well, especially, I mean, the leaves down there are huge. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, the leaves, and, and, and you'll find a lot, too, that there are these little um, evergreen trees that are about, you know, four feet tall. And mm-hmm. you just push, and, yeah, you just push and, through them. Yeah, those are everywhere. Yeah, when you're going through the thick underbrush and the willows and the little alder um, brushes, um, that all pushes water through yeah. rain gear. Mm-hmm. And I've had other brands. Um, I've had a couple of sets of Kuyu rain gear that I've had issues with with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not. I mean, you know, this is not meant as as a discredit. No, um, the Kuyu Yukon rain gear mm-hmm. is bombproof. Yeah, that's that's a set that I'm going to have down there. Usually, I bring at least two sets of rain gear down there. Um, if I have failures with one of them, yep. I leave it at camp and I just, you know, yep. put it in the bag and I don't use it anymore. Redundancy is a very important part. And of, rain gear is a part of that yes. hunt that I can afford that weight on a boat hunt to have the extra weight. Um, you know, an extra set of rain gear is not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, uh, you know, I, I have, a, a Sitka Stormfront jacket that I'm going to be using this year, a Kuyu Yukon rain jacket that I'll be using. And, uh, I'll have a Heli Hansen rubber as a backup. Um, just yeah. in case all else fails, you know, right. if I yeah. tear holes in both the breathables, then I have a so rubber. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about bringing my Heli Hansen basic yep. as, a as a backup just yep. because yep. I, if, if the, I, the, and you can afford the, the weight. If the, if the, yeah. Omen, yeah, if the Omen storm shelter fails, I will not be happy. That was yep. a very expensive coat. <laughs> and there is a return policy on that, especially there for is. a brand there, new yes. coat. Well, yeah. And that's one thing with a lot of these high end brands is, um, a lot of people, including myself for a long time just look at it and say, but how can it be worth that amount of money? Right. Mm. And something we were talking about a little bit before this was... How is gas five bucks a gallon? <laughs> well, yeah. You know? Well, and, right. and not even talking about or inflation. Food. You know, if you look at yeah. um, Sitka, Kuyu, even Under Armour is pretty expensive. Now, Under Armour is not as good of a product by any means. Yeah. But if you look at the big, like Sitka, Kuyu, Stone Glacier, and, and a lot of First Light's new products yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. are very, very expensive. You know, yeah. I, I ordered that jacket. I ordered some stuff from Stone recently. Or just some stuff from Sitka a week or two ago. It's all, it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I came around to using a lot of it just because I watched Dalton use it. But, you know, you think about, uh, what do you say? Um, Sitka has like a four year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Barklow has been on a lot of podcasts. And John Barklow is the head of the big game department at Sitka. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything in the big game lineup, John Barklow is in charge of releasing and whether right. or not it makes right. a cut. Yeah. Um, and John Barklow is a Navy veteran over 25 years, um, and he uh, spent a lot of time on Kodiak Island doing cold weather training for Navy SEALs. Um, so 
you talk about somebody that has experience with gear in harsh climates. Mm-hmm. That's one of the top guys in yep. the industry, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and so Barclow has has talked about um, the time that it takes to release a product through Sitka, and mm-hmm. he has mentioned multiple times that it takes him up to four years from start to finish to get a product in the consumer's hands. That is a long time and, in development. That is a long time. That is and a lot of money. That's four hunting seasons of yeah. use by their product, testers yeah. and developers, yeah. guys mm-hmm. in the field, guides that are on that program, and revamping people, the products. If people they need that are sending right. it back and saying, look, this sucked. This yep. kind of zipper did not work. Right. Or this fabric was too loud on this mm-hmm. bow hunting jacket. Or this insulation was not warm enough. Yep. And there's all kinds of things that go into this. And then they, then they tweak it and then they go to the next season. Another year. Okay, let's fix it again. Another year. And that's years of yeah. testing How and development. How many salaries are they paying for four years? Exactly. Right. To produce a Granted, rain jacket. There might be produ- there's more than a rain jacket being worked on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. there's a lot of money that goes into it. So I, from the business there's perspective, side perspective, of logistics I that goes into yes. understand the, the cost a little bit more. I also understand if you can't afford it. Yeah. But yeah. I'm at a place now where I want to, especially with this kind of a, with this kind yeah. of a platform we have, I want yeah. to be able and, to and, rep good products. And, and there is affordable gear for the new hunters there out is, there. there. I mean, is. if you look at some yeah, of the acrylic stuff Grundons or, or Grundons, and rubber, and, yep. you'll be, and you'll be dry. Yeah. Yep. Granted, it's not going to be top of the line. It's you'll not going to be, be waterproof. I'm not going to say yeah. you'll be dry. Yeah, you'll be dry. Yeah. That's true. You'll sweat yourself out. That, and, and, that's and, the, and you'll sweat yourself out in breathable rain gear as well, because mm-hmm. at some point, yeah. the breathability is not what your skin is. Okay. Correct. You'll sweat yourself out in a soft shell jacket mm-hmm. walking. If it's dry out, you'll Correct. wet yourself out if you're wearing too many layers. Yeah. Being dry is not the point of rain gear. It's being protected from exterior moisture. Right. Correct. And, and it's being warm. Yes. And uh, not having 35 degree you know, water first year, <laughs> hit you first is year a we huge went, advantage. I went, we went down to for only year I went down at this point, but uh, was, I'll, I'll get that, was um, I, I, all I had, and Dalton didn't have a lot better, and neither did the other guy we had, but mm. I had the basic Helly Hansen workwear. It was mm. like snap, plastic snap buttons. Oh, yeah. I think you guys had the zipper stuff, which is yeah. just, it was like yeah. the step above. I think and the Helly Hansen, Hansen stuff is called Impertech that's designed for like hunting and They, they have mm. a lot nicer stuff than they, things, than, yeah. than we had with us down there. Even the nice stuff you guys have, they have nicer stuff than that now. Yeah. And they may have them. We just didn't know or didn't know to get it. And it's, it's very, very affordable. I mean, yeah. it was like, L.A. Hansen. Uh, you can you can get a nice set with, for two two fifty of Helly Hansen or Grundens. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and we're talking about jacket and pants yes. or bibs. Well, yes, and that's yeah. I was just looking at the uh, eighty the or Grundin, bucks for each piece. Right, and the, no, the Grundin Weather Watch over at Sportsman's the other day, and I mean it is a it's a camouflage you know uh, raincoat that's breathable, mm-hmm. and it's made by Grundin, so I mean a very reputable company, and I, I think fifty three bucks something like that. So really? I mean, so it's not that you have to buy these crazy right. brands. But with what you're getting with each of those is more comfort, longevity, more longevity, durability, right. more yeah. quality. You're buying a warranty, too. Yeah. You are buying a warranty. You, know, yeah. you can go to Sportsman's Warehouse or Cabela's or wherever and go buy a 50 or or $100 coat, yep. but you're going to be buying a new one every two years. So Not quick side tangent. Time, but quick side tangent. I had a client at one point on a hunt, and I'm not going to say what the hunt was because I don't want to give away who the client was. Um, and if you listen to the podcast, I don't want you to feel belittled. Um, but I've had more than one client bring along a Frog Togs rain jacket as a backup. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about a paper-thin Frog Togs yeah. rain jacket. 
and loud they, too. And Both they things. had along with them on the hunt, they had a premier breathable waterproof jacket and a frog togs. And oftentimes they were choosing to put on the breathable and then the frog togs on top of that as double rain protection. I said, look, man, you're deleting the breathability of it by putting a frog togs over it. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not exposing all You're not wicking that moisture out like you should be. And <laughs> the frog togs jacket is not breathable. So, you know, that, that's, it's, it's so, it's so fragile and it's so loud. It, it just didn't make any sense to me. And both times that I've had that happen, the frog togs tore up inevitably relatively quickly mm-hmm. and didn't, didn't last the hunt. And by the end of the hunt, it was wrapped up in a garbage bag. So, but my point is, is that waterproof for a short time? It, yeah. Yeah. It's waterproof, but it's loud and it's, I, I, it doesn't last and it's 50 bucks that you just wasted that my you wife accomplished with a garbage bag. My wife is one of the people that bikes to work a lot of times in the summertime, uh-huh. you know, and it, it isn't, uh, this is a nice town to do that in. And she wears frog talk yeah. um, for the wetter seasons. And I could, t- I would never bring that on a hunt. Yeah. It's too no loud. Way. It's, oh, it's, it's too loud. fragile, no you way. know, I mean, yeah. and it's just, it's not, you know, when it's I'm, when I'm saying affordable hunting gear, you, you still have to look at yes. the details of it. Where right. are you going to be hunting? Right. What are you going to be hunting? You can go to Walmart and, and buy some very decent hunting gear, especially yeah. when it comes to base layer and mid layers. Yep. Well, and yeah. they, even like the acrylic stuff, they have at Sportsman's. I mean, it's not that expensive. You know, right. you can get into a, a, a whole yeah. set or kill it. Kill it. Yeah. Uh, no. You can get a whole set of rain gear for almost. I don't, do they have rain gear now? I think they do. I they do like have rain gear. Yeah, have rain they gear. do. And, it, and it's fairly lightweight, here's, actually. Okay. Here's, here's something that I'm going to say. I'll interject on this. When we say that you can get basic hunting gear at Walmart, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that that's recommendable. Correct. No, no. I'm saying but if you're, there, there is a huge difference between the quality that you're going to see between mm-hmm. um, a product that costs you less than 50 bucks mm-hmm. for, a, for a rain jacket. If, if, a, if a breathable rain jacket doesn't cost 200 bucks or more, I'm probably not interested because there's right. not the technology and the tests and the, and the quality of material in that to but, make it worth the, but that kind of money when you're looking at somebody who's just getting into this right and doesn't have a lot of money maybe Why they're not correct yeah. you know they can go into these places and get some affordable gear to at yes. least get them out yes. there Silver and doing gear, it yes. walmart you know? has some synthetic base layers yeah. that are 20 yeah. bucks for a top and 20 bucks for a bottom yeah yeah and they work kind of like an old army poly pro or something like that especially if Which you're not going to be in the woods for five days yeah if you're going to be hanging yeah. out every night that stuff does work fine. I use that stuff yeah. for years. Mm-hmm. Those it base does. layers. It yes. does. It does. And that'll get you out there. And, 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 do, and that's the point I was do. making is, is yeah. it's not that you have to go buy the two hundred dollar right, pair of right. gloves from you know any of these yeah. big companies or right. the the six hundred dollar rain gear. Pair of gloves, by the way. Oh, and I, I love them. Yeah. <laughs> and once you get into the world that we're in, you should. Yes, you know. Yes, I mean, because yeah. again, the quality yeah. and the yeah. everything. But if you're just trying to get started and you've not you you look at that gear at Sportsman's or go online at some other websites and it floors you when you see that price yeah don't sweat it you know you can still get out and do this you can still live this lifestyle yeah Yeah. um exactly well are we gonna wrap this up i think we're there so all right well i want to thank everybody for coming in and listening to this uh we are gonna keep covering a little bit more on this uh upcoming trip that we have going on for you guys we got some yeah some really great topics coming up yeah yeah so be sure to tune in next week for that and uh we're real excited to to see you yeah thanks for listening yeah All right, have a good one. See you next week. See you later.
All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and actions securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to StealthyHunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA.